This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Okay, you guys, here we go. This is the Kern River Fly Shop Podcast. I'm your host, Guy Jeans, podcasting directly from the Kern River Fly Shop in Kernville, California. On this podcast, we discuss everything outdoors. We talk about conservation, music, and life. This episode is brought to you by Sims Fishing Products, Fish It Well, Reddington Fly Rods, Find Your Water, Rio Lines Leaders and Tippets, Make the Connection, and Costa Sunglasses, whose frames are made from recycled nets to help protect our oceans. I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's do this! All right, you guys, welcome to the podcast. This is Guy. And I want to welcome the folks from the Kern River Conservancy, some of my friends, Gary Ananian and Kristen Pettick. Say hello. 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 How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. How are you? What are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking um, a just outstanding IPA from the local Kern River Brewing Company. Nice. And we totally went together because I have the Riverita hard seltzer. Nice. Tastes like a margarita in a can. You know, I'm, I'm super stoked to have you guys. Well, Thank thanks you. for having us. Yeah, I mean, I want to uh, let everybody know, you know, the podcast is to kind of fill people in on, you know, what's going on in our community here on the Kern River. And um, you guys are some of the movers and shakers in this area. Ain't that right? That's right. Yeah, man. I'm the mover. Gary's the shaker. I, you know, the Kern River Conservancy, <laughs> I'm, I, I want to dive into that for sure um, and, and f- talk about all the stuff that you guys do. But I want to get a little history on you, Gary, and you, Kristen, and, you know, how you guys got up here and the jump and all that. Um, but first, I want to read your guys' uh, you know, vision, um, which I, I think is amazing. And I'm going to read it so folks can... Uh, go and check it out on your guys' website, which is kernriverconservancy.org. Plug. Boom. <laughs> or you can also donate, too. Yeah, exactly. And go to volunteer. So yeah. this is this is a really cool uh, vision statement that you guys uh, have up on your website, and I, I just thought it was amazing. Um, and I, I'm going to read this. This is their vision statement. We are an organization that values the intrinsic worth of the members and volunteers, recognizes our shared qualities, and embraces our differences. We appreciate all persons as a key character of our community, foster a spirit of openness and active engagement, and strive to be diverse and inclusive in every aspect of life. In doing so, we ensure opportunity for all who work and volunteer for the Kern River Conservancy. I love that. 
We believe that reflective, thoughtful, and respectful examination of the differing dimensions of diversity educates and empowers all who work and volunteer here to be advocates for inclusion and equality. All members of Kern River Conservancy share in cultivating, sustaining, and continuously developing an environment in which equality is intentionally sought and inclusiveness is practiced. Kern River Conservancy is a powerful example of community enriched by diversity in all forms and the challenges and rewards that come with diverse representation, thought, and expression. Boom. Boom. I love that. And, I, you know, reading that, I was like, that is so cool. That is so you guys. And uh, we're going to talk more about that. But one of the podcasts I talk about um, making the jump and, you know, moving up here, I made the jump where, you know, I moved up here from Ventura and started the business here, the, the fly fishing business. And both of you guys have done that as well. So I want to talk to you guys about that. Um, we'll start with you, Gary, and, and how that all started, you know, when first, you know, where did you grow up and, and that sort of thing? So I was pretty much born and raised in East Hollywood, a little area called Little Armenia, um, <clears throat> a very immigrant rich neighborhood, you know, mostly Armenians, Los Salvadorians, Mexicans, you know, it was pretty cool growing up in that like whole culture of having like, like the salad bowl theory, you know, of immigration. So mm -hmm. it was pretty cool to grow up in that kind of environment, but I also grew up over there in the early to mid eighties, which was like the height of like the gang culture of LA. So obviously the street was full of, you know, like gang violence and the gang bangers and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we got to grow up in that time frame, and we got to experience the LA riots when I was young. And remember my dad said, wow, we're moving, pack your bags, we're out of here. Is that how he said it? <laughs> was, well, pretty much he said that with a with a nickel plated three fifty seven Magnum in his hand. As okay. like half the neighborhood wow. was on fire. He was wow. like, "Get in the car, we're getting out of here." Wow. Wow. So where did you go? Uh, we went to a family member's house for a little bit, and then from there we ended up moving to Burbank. Mm -hmm. Right after. Okay. So I started my high school um, time down in Burbank. Okay. What about you, Kristen? Where did you grow up and how did you uh, get up here and that sort of thing? Um, so I don't have as exciting stories, Gary. <laughs> I grew up in white suburbia. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and actually, I was born in Bakersfield, California. And then my parents soon moved to Lancaster and Palmdale, which is high desert. And I grew up there. And then we transported back to Bakersfield. It's like a black hole that like sucks you back in for some reason. Mm -hmm. um, and then I wound up moving to Santa Cruz for college. Um, and then I wound up back in Bakersfield because I had my daughter. And uh, I moved to Kernville about two years ago because, well, a multitude of reasons. But okay. um, my mom lives here and I love to recreate. And your I mom love... lives here? In yeah. Kernville? Yeah. Oh, awesome. She's she's my neighbor. No way. Yeah. Okay, cool. I can borrow a cup of sugar from her. Nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So now we've been here, and uh, I think Gary has more to finish about his story, well, I, though. I want to ask you something yeah. real quick. So your job that you have now, what is your title? It's very interesting. Yeah. So my current title is a water resources planner for the city of Bakersfield. Um, obviously I don't live in Bakersfield, yeah. uh, but I do my job remotely. I do all environmental project management and permitting for the Kern River 
which is an interesting yeah interesting topic. You could do about 700 podcasts on that topic. Okay. <laughs> so if you ever want to talk about that, <laughs> I am totally down. So how did you two meet? Um, How'd that go down? She slid into my DMs on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he's actually not wrong. (laughs) So when I moved here, one of the things I was really big about is I wanted to get involved in the community. And with my background and what I do, I somehow stumbled upon the Conservancy and I really enjoyed what they were doing. I had been watching them for a while. That sounds creepy. Um, (laughs) I've been watching Gary for a while. (laughs) So I seriously, the day after I moved here, I called him and asked him to meet me Uh for coffee. And I think you offered me a position on the board. Like same day. Yeah. I think we were just talking and he's like, yeah, just come on the board, please. (laughs) Awesome. So let's go back a little bit. So you guys obviously are on the board of the Kern River Conservancy. Gary's the president and you're on the board. Yep. Kristen. That's correct. So um, let's go back a little bit. So what was your first experience on the Kern River? And was it like something that you just immediately loved and you wanted to come here and be here? I mean, so what- growing up in L.A., um, we like as kids, our parents would take us to like youth sports or um Boy Scouts and stuff like that. We did that really young. And then obviously when people get into junior high and high school, you kind of grow out of that because you want to play sports or you want to go bang in the alleys with the gangs and do whatever you want to do. You know what? True story. (laughs) So, you know, you kind of live that teenage lifestyle of being reckless and doing whatever. So it wasn't like I want to say... I mean, we would do occasional camping trips here and there, like around Joshua Tree and the Angeles National Forest that was close to us. Um, but we were never like crazy, like connected to, you know, the environment. And it wasn't until this is going to sound funny. So me and my old roommate, Robert, were this new show came on TV called Man versus Wild. Oh, yeah. Of and course. Oh, I remember that. I love that show. I want to say it was maybe like 2003 or 2004, somewhere around there. And we kind of watched the first episode and we were like, oh, my God, that's so cool. And we started talking about um, being Boy Scouts and going camping all the time and how cool that used to be. And so we went to, I want to say either REI or Big Five. I can't remember where it was. And we went to buy a bunch of camping gear. We're like, oh, let's go camping. Let's get back into it. And we were at the checkout stand, and there was a book. And it was called Camping in California. And, you know, you'll get this book. There's all these campsites. And, you know, the Internet's still early in the day, so we didn't have access to, like, Google and all these crazy apps to find campgrounds and stuff. So I bought this book. I went home, and I opened it. When I opened it, it was, like, on the letter K, and the first page was Kern River. Stop it. It was, seriously. <laughs> I didn't go like from page, I didn't go from page one and on. I just like opened it. It was like right there and it was a photo of the Hobo campground. Uh-huh. And the the rapid, wow. the Hobo Rapid was in the photo. And you know, growing up in LA, a river for us in LA, um, my experience with the river down there was really like this is where like the gangsters hang out. Like you go watch like the lowriders do hydraulics and the Kids are painting murals and stuff like that. Like in the you know? L- L.A. River? Yeah. Okay. You know, and like down by Cesar Chavez Boulevard, where um, there used to be an Armenian church there. It was like the only Armenian church that had a Catholic service, so we would go over there. And right across the street was the L.A. River. And these little Mexican kids would come up to me and be like, hey, come hang out with us. And they would, we'd go hang out and play basketball. And one day they took me down to the river. I'd never been in the river before. And, Wait, how old were you? Um, Like eight or nine. 
Wow. Cool. And it's a concrete river back then, you know. And so we go down there, and I'm like completely like in awe of like these lore writers and these cellos, and they're doing murals and they're dancing, they're break dancing. It was super cool, early '90s, uh, late '80s. And so that was my experience with a river. I didn't know what a river was. I had mm-hmm. no idea. You know, just being a kid from the inner city, we had no idea. So we were all excited about seeing this river. For me and a couple of my other friends, the only river we had ever visually seen was the Colorado when we were kids. We went to the, uh, what do you call it? What dam is that up there? Hoover Dam? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so Hoover Dam. So that was it. That was like our experience. So... We came up here. We got to Hobo Campground. It was like Christmas weekend. It was like 10 degrees, freezing. You just drove up here. Yeah, we just decided to go out there. Like, screw it. Let's just go. And we were all like just taken back because we had never been in this type of environment before. And I wow. was just like, I didn't even sit up camp. I went right to the river. And oh, no. I did. I was Where? <laughs> Hopefully not at the mouth was, of the canyon. No, it was at the Hobo Campground. Speaking of that, when we were coming in. <laughs> We saw the death toll sign. We're like, geez, what's happening over here? You know, like Gosh. we're from L.A. We don't even see stuff like that death toll signs, you know, like <laughs> this week, 42 people killed in the current river. Out, you know, we didn't know. But I got there and I'm just like, I was so taken back. I was like, dude, this is like the most amazing place. And I got so connected and we came all the time. Every couple of months we would come out to the current river and wow. we always camped at Hobo because we, you know, you just didn't have the technology back then to know where stuff is. So. One night we ran out of firewood and these people next to us said, oh, there's, you can go up to Lake Isabella and buy firewood. Well, we never know. We don't know where Lake Isabella is. We've never driven past Borrell. So we got in our cars and drove out to Lake Isabella. And sure enough, there's like this lake. We're like, oh, my God, there's a lake. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's more water. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so we go up to, we go to Lake Isabella. And in the next uh, summer, we decided to camp like at Paradise Cove and stuff like that and experience the lake. But we quickly hated it because of the wind. It was just so yeah, windy. Yeah. You couldn't do For anything. Sure. We we're always paranoid about our campfire and dirt blowing everywhere. And one day we're in town and we see a bunch of buses with whitewater rafts on them. Mm-hmm. And we're like, dude, there's whitewater raft in here? We've never done it before. We're just a bunch of kids. And so we start looking into it and then we figure out there's a whitewater rafting company in Kernville. So we come up there and at the time it was Kern River Tours that we went on. Mm. And that's when we were exposed to the upper current. And we were just like blown away, we're like 2004, like, oh my God, like, this is like crazy. Like this place just keeps going and going. Yeah. And it truly does. And, yes, every, does. <laughs> and every year, like we just kept discovering new things. And then we discovered the Trail of 100 Giants. And then we discovered like Lloyd's Meadow Road and Peppermint and the Forks of the Kern and all these things. And we were just like, I couldn't get enough of it. Like I can come back every single day at the time. But also at the same time coming up here, it started to get irritating with all the trash and all the problems that we were seeing here because as a bunch of kids from the inner city, we were escaping that, but we were coming here and we're finding it here still, you know, that's kind of how the spark started for me. Right. But seeing all that, like, you know, coming from LA and seeing all the trash and everything and then coming up here, that didn't, for some reason up here, it made it so that it was like wrong type of thing or yeah, yeah i mean like so in la like you're so spoiled living in la because you have all these services people come clean up after you right you know restaurants bend backwards for their customers and that you know you have trash service all the time the sweep- mm-hmm. sweepers come in and they clean so there's always somebody to clean but when you come to the forest there's nobody doing that right and over the years of coming camping here um it got to the point where we just we stopped coming for a while and mm-hmm. as you know, as a bunch of friends, we decided that we're not going to come here anymore because it was just getting ridiculous. It was yeah. just like so bad. 
And we're like, this is not the experience we're looking for. Like, we want to enjoy ourselves in nature and not come here and have to stare at graffiti on the rocks, a car battery in the fire pit. Like, these were just things that we did not want to experience. And so we stopped coming for several years. Yeah. Okay, Kristen, how about you? What was your first experience coming up here and checking things out? Or was your mom here already? Or um, So when I moved back to Kern County, I was probably 10. But I have to tell you that listening to Gary, I don't have these like mind blowing experiences and I cannot pinpoint like this was the first time that I was here because I grew up going to mammoth every six months and Mm -hmm. my parents had a cabin in Shaver Lake. So Mm -hmm. this environment was always in my life. Yeah. And it was all like, I, I've always enjoyed the outdoors. I've grown up fishing, skiing, doing all the things, you know, but when I came up here, um, and I transported here, I experienced what Gary's talking about. And that was the first time I've actually opened my eyes to that mm-hmm. was now that I live here, I'm paying attention. I didn't realize like how bad it got until I, you know, sat and actually looked and I was like, wow, this yeah. is, this is a really big deal. For sure. You know, um, I, I'm going to talk about the first time I saw you um, and that was at a forest service meeting, I think. Yeah. But, um, and I think we introduced each other to each other, but, um, in 2000, 2004, you, you kind of started this whole thing or when, when did you, no, uh, 2013, 2013. So I had been guiding here and stuff. And so one of the things that I used to do before I take my clients out was I'd go up and I, and we still do it, but we'll clean trash of the areas that we're going to take our clients, you know, and then, um, come back here, get our clients and go to there. Right. And so I was driving up the river one day and it must've been, I don't know, in that time period, you know, 2012, Mm -hmm. 2013. And I had this, like this vision of like, uh, some company or somebody doing something about this, you know? And then it was like, man, somebody, there needs to be like an organization that does something like this, man. There's just, you know, it's just, there's so much trash and whatnot. And then I went to the forest service meeting and, and you were there, and I'm mm-hmm. like, sweet. Yes. Wow. It's like, it's good stepping up, right yeah. on. It's funny, because uh, yeah. f- before I met you, I had seen you at Old Gold Ledge with some clients, and I just happened to be on, like, this bender at work. And I'm like, I'm just going to drive to Kernville and, like, hang out for the day. You know, so I left Hollywood, like, at 3 a.m., getting off of work from the club and coming up here just to enjoy the sunset and hang out. And you were just walking by at Ogo Ledge. You had some clients that you were fishing with. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know anything. I saw your Kern River fly shop on the car thing. And then I was like, I don't know who that guy is. What's fly fishing? I didn't know what fly fishing What's was. That, yeah, I didn't even know what fly fishing <laughs> is. Like, you know, like we don't have stuff like that in the inner city. Where now, you know, fly fishing is like a huge thing in L.A. and the L.A. River and the San Gabriel. That's so it's cool. completely different from what it is now. But okay. for me back then, I was like, what is that? Right. Okay, so... You got you came up here and you had a day gig or a night gig, I should say, at a at a pretty famous uh, Hollywood yeah. nightclub, and you were the manager. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. And um, and then you were, where you you were you started the Kern River Conservancy. You just all of a sudden, well, let's talk about that. How did you yeah. how, did, how did you come up with that idea? And what, so we came up here in 2010, which was a big water year, and mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. friends were like 
pretty stoked out of, hey, let's go rafting. It's class five this year. Like, we don't know what we're talking about. We're stupid. Let's just go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're just a bunch of bebop boopers and we're going to go over there. And so we book a trip and then, you know, we go rafting. And um, I think like the water back then was like seven or 8,000 CFS. Like no something ginormous. It was like ridiculous. And we, like the guy that was taking us down the river was like his first day out of guide school. <laughs> and this guy had no Surprised idea. Surprised he survived <laughs> to yeah. tell about that. <laughs> so we end up like flipping the boat at like the tequila rapid at the beginning oh of it. Oh my God. <laughs> right? So you swam? We swam. And I have it all in videos, like on my friend's GoPro. Oh my and God. And so we swam like a decent amount. And I remember getting, like, if you've ever been through the Tequila Rapid or any, like, mad rapid, it's like being stuck in a laundry machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're just trying to get out to get air, and you just can't. But so finally, I get out to some calm water, and there's, like, this boat full of, like, seven, eight-year-old Girl Scouts in here. <laughs> right? Like, this is the boat that's going to rescue me. And I'm, like, a big guy. I'm, like, 220, 240 at the time. And so these <laughs> girls are trying to, like, bring me into the boat. I have, like, no energy. Because I just <laughs> literally tried to swim one mile of, like, class five rapids. Dude, that's a gnarly rapid. It is. It's yeah. crazy. Like, all of us, like, swam it. Like, it was insane. And I remember, like, as we were going down river, the guide screaming because two of the <laughs> girls on our boat were hanging on to him. <laughs> I was like, we're all going to die. This is and, epic. Yeah, like, yeah. we're going to end up on the board <laughs> on the mouth of the canyon. So, anyway, these girls, like, try to pull me in. And then the raft guy ended up helping get me up. But I'm coming up. My shorts are falling off. <laughs> And I'm like, great, they're going to see me butt booty naked right now. Butt booty. So anyway. <laughs> um, so that weekend, um, uh, we come back, and we had gone hiking for the weekend. We did a bunch of stuff. And it was kind of crazy because the weekend before, two people had drowned and died. And the weekend after our trip, two people had drowned and died. So it was, a, it was kind of like one of those moments where, like, damn, we were lucky to be alive. And, but at the same time, you know, there's trash again. You know, this is in 2010, and everywhere we go, there's trash. Right. So I remember coming back uh, maybe like a year later on another trip we came up here and then it really like like ticked me off. So I started volunteering with the Sierra Club down in LA at their San Fernando Valley chapter. And I get over there and it's literally like all a bunch of 90-year-old senior citizens in there. So wait a second. So you just had this like uh, vision or this feeling of that you needed to do something about it. And so you went to the Sierra clubs. That, yeah. Right? So, well, not, I didn't have the vision yet, but it was uh-huh. kind of like circling in my head, like around 2011, maybe 2012. Uh-huh. I mm-hmm. can't really remember Cause every time we came here, we drank a lot and <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's, you <laughs> know, like, time. yeah, you know, it's the current yeah. river. It's like the Las Vegas of wild and scenic rivers. Like you come here to party and you know, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> So I, started, way to sell I, haven't, it, I haven't heard that one yet. Me cool. neither. So, uh, so anyway, I go to these Sierra Club meetings. Everyone's like in their 80s and 90s. And all they talked about was like solar energy, green energy, policy, this, that. And I was yeah. like, are we ever going to go hiking? Are we ever going to do anything? And we never did. Like yeah. everything, every time we had some type of outing, it had to do with some politician coming to talk. And I didn't like that at all. I hated it. Yeah. So... We took a break for a little bit. Then we came back in 2013 in April and we get to the campsite. There must've been like a rave at this campground. There's that old gold ledge again. All the rocks are covered in graffiti, broken glass everywhere, glow sticks everywhere. It was just a disaster. And we had no choice to clean it up because we're going to camp here. We have to clean all this glass up because, you know, we're going to be drinking ourselves. We're going to walk barefoot through the sand. So a forest service patrol shows up comes out of the truck right up to us and starts kind of like accusing us of doing all the vandalism in the trash. 
And I'm like, dude, we just literally got here. Like, we haven't even emptied out our trucks yet. You know, we just got here. We're, we're cleaning all this up. And he's like, okay, do you have a permit for your fire? We're like, yeah. So we showed him our fire permit, and he starts walking away. And as he's walking away, I ask him, hey, is somebody going to come clean this or anything? He's like, nope. And wow. just got up and left. And it was that interaction that started everything. Because I said, well, if this is how the Forest Service is acting then this is probably the reason why this place is all jacked up. You know, it's like these people just don't care. That Monday coming back, I sent an email to the Forest Service. And thank you. I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to come volunteer here because we come here so much. Like, at least let me try to volunteer the next time I come up. And at the time, we had two new people here, which was our district ranger and our rec officer were brand new. And so the rec officer re replied back and she said, we don't have any volunteer programs. We don't have a volunteer organization. There's no nonprofits attached to this river. There was like absolutely nothing. I was like so blown away by this. Like right. what? And the more I researched it, the more I looked into like wild and scenic rivers and this and that. And I saw that literally almost every wild and scenic river has a nonprofit attached to it, except for the Kern. Hmm. I was like, what? How? So I reached back out to the Forest Service. I said, hey, I'm going to start my own nonprofit. They're like, really? I was like, yeah. They're like, okay, we'd love to, we'd love that. So the next week I come back again with my friends and we're sitting on the beach at Ogo Ledge and we're drinking heavy. And I start like seeing like a black puma walking on the river shore. Like I'm start tripping out. All right. <laughs> what? Where's this going? I don't know. So I look at my friend Sam and my friend David <laughs> and I'm like, dude, there's like something wrong. Like why is there a black puma on the current river? But it was just like, we were just tripping anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that had nothing to do with the story. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh so that morning I woke up extremely hungover, uh -huh. but no way. I had made, but I made the decision that morning. I woke up and I told everybody that I'm going to start a nonprofit. The no, black puma was the sign. Yeah, it was a pitak attack. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, so I decided to send an email, told the force I'm going to do it. This is what I'm going to do. Blah blah blah. And all my friends in LA are laughing. They're like, you're an idiot. You're never going to clean that river. That place is so trashed. It's so backwards. Like, you will never achieve anything there. And I knew they were right because it was just a huge battle for me that are we actually going to be able to do this from LA on top of that? Like, nobody knows who I am. Like, how am I going to do this? Okay, well, we'll just figure it out. So, used my own money, went, got our nonprofit stuff taken care of, paperwork taken care of. And about two, three months later was the summer. And I called the Forest Service and I said, we're good to go. We got our paperwork ready. And the lady at the Forest Service was like, wait, are you serious? I was like, yeah. She's like, oh, like they didn't even think I was being for real. Really? No <laughs> way. So so to get to a nonprofit, do you have to get like a permit and all this kind of stuff? Or how does that work? So you just, um, you fill out paperwork with the Secretary of State's office that okay. you're going to be a nonprofit. And then you have to fill out paperwork with the IRS to be exempt and tax exempt and stuff like that. Okay. So then. It's like starting a business. Yeah. So okay. once I had all that ready, the Forest Service uh, gave me like a, an agreement to sign and, you know, we're ready to go. That's where it gets fancy. Yeah. So yeah. from that point on, it was doing cleanups. And I thought I had it all figured out being from LA. And like, oh, I got this. It's not a big deal. And it was because nobody knew who we were. Nobody knew who I was. Nobody volunteered. Nobody came out. And I was at this point begging people to come out from LA, drive them up here, buy them food, buy them beers just to come clean. And as time went on, it got harder and harder because the trash problem was getting worse and worse. And... I got to the point where nobody wanted to help. They're like, dude, we're not going all the way up there for that anymore. Like, we're going to clean it up and it's going to be dirty again tomorrow. And they were right. Right. 
So, you know, there, there was a lot of times where it was very defeating. Like, I'm like, am I doing, like, what am I doing over here? Like, I'm wasting my personal money. For years and years, everything came out of my pocket because I couldn't fundraise. Nobody knew who I was. I can't ask for donations. Nobody knew who I was. Um, I even had some wacko from the other side of the lake send me an email. <laughs> He's like, I know what you're up to. You're a secret agent for the Department of Water and Power in Los Angeles, and you're going to steal our water. <laughs> Dude, I mean, some, you know, yeah. some of the, like, haters that over the over the years is like ridiculous that i've that i've seen like yeah. they have no idea the good that that the current river conservancy is doing yeah. for the community yeah there's you know and that stuff i thrive on that i thrive yeah. on the haters like i don't get down on it yeah i laugh about it i'll take screenshots yeah. and send it to kristen <laughs> yeah, he yeah, totally no, does no, yeah. it's like, like 12 a.m i'm like, oh my gosh what this guy send me now? Yeah. <laughs> like, i'm like like just today like we're like this guy wanted to challenge me about fire restrictions yep he's like what's the point there's firefighters anyway so why can't we just have fires <laughs> Like these right. are the kinds of people that are engaging us on social media. Right. Yeah. But this is why it's important to have the conservancy here. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's why I joined, you know, mm -hmm. I saw, yes, it's still at the beginning of its stages, but I'm seeing it grow exponentially, especially sure. with the amount of people that are coming here now, Yeah, you know, during the pandemic, I'm sure you've experienced that so too. Did you hear these numbers? So I, I said it in one of the other podcasts that we usually have about a million visitors mm -hmm. and last year, we had two million. Yeah. No way. Yeah. I, yeah, I believe it. Really? Yeah, yeah that's that's from a yeah. good source well, too. Well, on Sunday of Labor Day, um, I'm, which was probably the busiest day this valley has ever seen in the history of this valley. Um, Last September. Yeah, Labor Day weekend. You mean before the gold rush? <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> Did you dye your hair? <laughs> Why are we talking about my hair? Okay, keep it's talking. Gold. <laughs> Your gold. Um, so anyway, I was talking with some of the search and rescue guys in the county sheriff's department. They told me that Sunday of Labor Day weekend, the Kern Valley saw 75,000 people here. No way. Yeah. I, I totally believe it. Yeah, yeah. Because well, it was just so crazy. I'd never seen anything Because you're like it. out there every day. Yeah. That's the thing that really gets me is that Gary is out there every single day. Yeah. And no other organization does that. Right, right. It's like he's on patrol. Yeah. And yeah. people don't realize that. They're like, oh, he's just driving around. I'm like, yeah, he's driving around because he's educating people and mm -hmm. he's helping reporting. He's helping with search and rescue. Like, he's actually out I'm, there. I'm a search and rescue guy now. You help with that. I have yeah. stickers on my truck, too. You help make calls. Okay. You're like, there's people on the river and they're stuck <laughs> on rocks. Come help us. <laughs> I've actually run onto you on the road when you're in that action. So I know that's what you do. So getting back to the the actual uh, you know jump going from Los Angeles. So you're mm -hmm. a nightclub, you run a nightclub basically, yeah. And that's like you know from like you're not getting off until three in the morning, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Right. And then you're probably not sleeping. You're driving up here. Yeah, I would right. just go home, shower, change, and run drive and drive. Okay. You know, because in LA, there's 24 hour Starbucks everywhere. So I'd pick up a couple of cold brews and. Yeah. Make wow. my way up. So, That's not dangerous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't drunk. I mean, I, I was so hell bent. hopped upon caffeine. Well, back then, I really wanted to come up here and, like, enjoy the sunrise. Like, just come right. up here and just watch the sun nice, come dude. up in the canyon. Like, yeah. see the alpine glow on the mountains. And, you know, that I really love that. Awesome. So, okay, so what made you finally make the jump? Because I know that you quit your job at the nightclub and then you became a full-time resident of yeah. Kernville. And so how did that all go down? And I mean, 
takes some cojones to do that, yeah. you know, and to, to drop, you know, steady job and come up here and do that. Is that something that was just in your soul that you thought that you could do? Or was it just something that just happened? I honestly never thought I'd move here. I really thought yeah. like, no matter what, like I never thought of this being like a full-time thing. It was more like a passion project I can do from LA. I can mm -hmm. still work my job because I love being in the clubs and bars. Mm -hmm. I love, I thrive on that high energy of music and the lights and the mm -hmm. girls and all this stuff and the celebrities. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, this cracks me. <laughs> <laughs> and you love the sushi. Yeah, oh yeah, let's not forget about sushi. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. Um, I, I really didn't think I'd ever move up here. I just, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's like, oh, it's never gonna get to that point. I just, you know, cause we struggled for five years. Yeah. For five years, it was a struggle to keep the doors open and the lights on. It was right. always money coming out of my pocket. Our fundraisers, we were lucky if we raised 5000 all year. You know, it was just still trying to get people to see who I was and what we were doing. Yeah. And it was the big water year in 2017 when I came up with this idea of doing a river safety PSA. You know, like we're, we're about to have like the apocalypse raft whitewater season here. Wait, sure. so are you still in L.A. when you're... Talking yeah. about this, oh, yeah, because at the point okay. at that time the snowpack was like over already two hundred percent, and yeah, yeah. We, then the outfitters awesome. and everybody was predicting like a hellish summer, right? And I was like, all right, well, let's start doing some stuff, this and that, blah blah blah. And the reputation of the killer Kern made it all the way out to the New York Times, and so we started getting some publicity from that about like who the Kern River Conservancy was and whatever. So. As we're getting ready for this, like, wild spring and summertime here, um, a good friend and a mentor, Meredith McKenzie, yeah. came up and said, this year is a 50-year anniversary of the Wild and Scenic Rivers Act, and they're having this event called River Rally, which they have it every single year. And it's going to be in Lake Tahoe. It's one week long, and you have to go. Nice. That was it. There was no asking. She looked at me and said, you have to go. And I'm... So intimidated because this is a convention of almost a thousand people that are environmentalists, scientists, right. and they're like PhD, masters, yeah, biologists. Yeah, all of it. And I'm over here like, what the hell am I going to do over there? You're like, in your nightclub. So Meredith decides she's going to go ahead and um, you know put me into teaching a workshop. I'm like, okay, like what are we going to teach? She's like, you are really good at talking to people at engaging people so you have something a lot of organizations aren't having trouble with and that's engaging millennials so she came nice. up with this idea of submitting a workshop for me to go teach and it was engaging millennials on wild and scenic rivers but it was the way my title and everything was written in the, <laughs> in the river rally program it says Learn how a nightclub manager from Hollywood, California <laughs> started the Kern River Conservancy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. A nightclub. So so imagine you're in this, like, 20-page program and it's, like, dull as possible. Yeah. And then you see this. You're like, who's so this? exciting. Uh, I'm going to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're, everyone's like, we're going to go see who this guy is. So anyway, I get to River Rally. <laughs> it's at Skull Valley at the hotel. Super fancy. Yeah. And all these people there that I've only read about or seen on social media that I was meeting in person and... I was super excited to meet all these people I've read about and watched movies and stuff like that. And so we, the whole thing is like action packed. The first three days you're in workshops. Every hour on the hour, there's a separate workshop to go to for all 1,000 of us. 
So I'm going to everything, fundraising, grant writing, capacity building, blah, blah, blah. I'm doing it all. I want to, I'm absorbing as much as I can. For sure. Out of this event. And then the following three days were field trips, whitewater rafting on uh, the Truckee, flow trip on the Truckee, uh, Walk, West Walker River trip, the Reno trip, this tr- And I went on all of it. I'm like trying to get it all. I went to downtown Reno where they have a whitewater park and I wanted to see how they build that whitewater park. If that's, you know, something that can happen in Kernville, you know, it's just, there's all this stuff that yeah. I was just absorbing. Yeah. And then the day came of my workshop. I was so nervous. This was the first time I've ever done anything <laughs> like this. Yeah. Somehow I'm going to talk in front of these people and convince some environmentalists that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> But you do. How'd that go? So I go to the bar, took a shot of tequila, and then came back. Just one? Yeah. I I didn't want to be like... Get your your motivation up. I didn't want to be like a stereotypical club guy. Like, oh, here he is. He's already drunk. It's it's 10 in the morning. But wait, did you come out with the... No. Music? No, but I did did start the workshop off with a video that we had done a couple years ago of the Lower Kern River, which is really super, if you ever watch it. Yes. Super cinematic. A lot of cool music. And I started the video off with that uh, and the workshop with that. And mind you that the average number of people in workshops was 10 to 15 people. And all the workshops were boring, like graphs, pie charts, you know, I'm just like, like, what's happening? So I'm over here. I'm like, Gary doesn't like math. I don't. So I'm stacked on videos on my presentation. I'm like ready to go. I'm like, I got screenshots from social media, this, that, I'm trying to teach. And our room filled up and then it filled up into the hallway and then it filled up beyond the hallway. They had to put the speaker outside. Wow. Because everybody sure. was curious to know who this dude is. That's a nightclub promoter, manager, whatever that's over here and has this, like, this amazing organization. So I go over there and at the time our president and the vice president, which was Trisha LaBelle and Meredith McKenzie, you know, they um, co-hosted the workshop with me and we talked a lot about social media and we're doing on the Kern river and everybody in this room was like taking notes. They were yeah. like so intrigued. It's very important these days for because sure. social media is not a tool that environmentalists use. You know? I know, and it blows my mind. And so here I am showing them that it is your most important tool for community engagement. And you know, fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. They're just like, they don't know what to do. They're like, what, where, where do we go? How are you doing this? Like, what do you, what kind of, what's a hashtag, you know? <laughs> what's a hashtag? So as soon as the workshop's done, like, I get this, like, round of applause and I walk out. I'm getting, like, bombarded by people left and right. Awesome. Everybody wants my contact info. Everybody wants my number. They want to talk to me more. Um, this lady from, I forgot the name of the forest out in Montana, wanted to hire me as a consultant to come out there and teach them how to do social media. So it was all that kind of cool stuff. And like the president of American Rivers, the president of River Network, both came up to me, shook my hand. They said, you blew it out of the water. Everyone's talking about you, blah, blah, blah. And out of nowhere, like this lady comes and taps my shoulder. She says, can I interview you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And so we sit down and her name was Bridget Crocker. <laughs> And she, at the time, was a writer for, like, Patagonia and Outside Magazine. Um, she's an author. She's a world-renowned raft guide who's rafted the biggest rivers in, like, China and Africa and out here. Um, she's old-school whitewater voyages back in the day. And so she tells me about her roots to the current, and, you know, we start talking. And, like, this 10-minute interview turned into, like, a three-hour, like, discussion sitting in the lobby of the hotel. And I didn't think anything of it at the time. Really? Yeah, because I just like I was just kind of like in this like phase of like ecstasy, like mm. what just happened like in that hallway. Sure. You Is know? this awesome. when you decided to move to Kernville? Not yet. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, so she takes it, she, it takes a lot for him to move here apparently. <laughs> yeah. So she not fame? <laughs> Is it fortune? So <laughs> anyway, so she she writes all this information down and you know, she interviews a couple other people about me and, and uh, some other people that were at River Rally. And that was it. So, like, the convention finished and everything. And before I drove back home, I stopped at Lake Tahoe at one of the sh- a shoreline. I decided to hang out there for a little bit. And I had, like, this epiphany. Like, boom. Did the panther show up? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Move to Kernville. And Bebop pooped over me. So, on my drive back, you know, it's a long drive coming from, you know, Tahoe back to L.A. Yeah. And by the time I got to L.A., my mind was set. Monday I went to work and I put in my two-week notice. No way. Stop yeah. it. Just like that. And when was that? When was that? Um, it was the first week of May. Of what year? Of what year? Oh, no, not May, March. Oh, St. Paddy's Day. When's St. Paddy's Day? 17th. Of March, right? Yeah. So it was in March then. Because my first day at the job at that bar was St. Paddy's Day in 2010. And my last day was St. Patty's Day of 2020, or no, 2018. 2018. So I went, put on my notice. My work wasn't too happy about it because we had just lost one of our best bartenders and the other manager had put in her notice as well. So all of us were like kind of leaving at the same time. But, you know, we have our dreams that we have to follow and, you know, you have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So I went home, I told my family, I'm bucking, I'm out of here. They're like, what do you mean? So glad you did, dude. Yeah, so it's awesome. So when I moved here, like it was a game on. Like I had my kill face on. Like whoever stands in my way is getting murdered. Like there's like what? (laughs) I was like so serious about being successful. Awesome. And proving to everybody. Like I was like I was like fucking John Gotti. Like who's gonna fuck with me? You know? (laughs) Seriously, dude. No, but you still carry that too, and I think that that's important. You know that that passion never dies out for you. It it, it will never. That's the that's the attitude you got to have. Yeah. Succeed. And there's times where I really hit a wall here sometimes, and I'm just like, what am I doing? Like, this is like a waste of my time. And then that's where I come in, and I'm like a cheerleader. I'm like, yes, we can do it. Oh, my gosh. No, 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 no. I think I just hit the equipment. I'm sorry. <laughs> so have you ever wanted to just quit? 
There's times, yeah, for sure. There's yeah. there's days where I'm on that river, like on a Sunday, Monday after the yeah. weekend's over, and like last summer. Oh, yeah. last summer was oh awful. Oh my god! I mean, just me and the, all the stuff I had to deal with. What we dealt on the river. Well, because there was no forest service out, everybody had to go home, and Gary was it. And he couldn't have volunteers because of COVID. Yeah. So he wasn't allowed to ask anybody to come out. And he, the whole summer, all I heard was, you know, him being defeated. And I'm like, dude, you got to keep going. Yeah. You know, there, there was nice. a day where I actually found myself at Old Gold Ledge again. I went down there. You to, need to stop going there. That's a spot. That's a spot. That's a magical <laughs> yeah, spot. Yeah, it's a magic it's spot. That's where the panther lives. <laughs> yeah. Where the panther lives. <laughs> I have to go seek How my fortune. How come I haven't seen this panther? You, you haven't been drunk with me over there. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sitting at Ogo Ledge to have like a moment to myself. And of course, there's a stupid mylar balloon in the tree. So I'm over here with an orange picker trying to get the stupid thing down. Were you by yourself? Yeah, I was. <laughs> Were you drinking? <laughs> no, but I should have been. Dang it. Uh, anyway, so I, I grabbed a balloon. I go down and sit on a rock, got my feet in the water, just like so defeated. Like, I just want to pack my bags and leave. Like, really? I was like, F this place, F the people that are coming here. Like, I am so done. And then all of a sudden, I heard like the car door. And I looked, and it was our district ranger. Oh my gosh, I remember you telling and me about this. He happened to be driving by. He saw my car and wanted to know what I was up to. So he walked over there, sat next to me, like, you know, and we like had like, a man to man talk for about a solid hour. And, you know, like, that was it. He kind of, like... Loved that guy. Made me realize, like, yeah. what my purpose was here and, like, how important I am yeah. to this place. And... Are you going to cry? No. Oh, okay. I don't cry. That kind of sounded like... Yeah, Al, Al's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, and then after that, I just went back in the, you know, top gun mode and, like, goose maverick down the river and, like... Nice. We're going to tear shit up. Did you come down in one of those jets... Actually, I do every morning. Oh, the first okay. jet that flies over is me. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? No. Okay. Okay, so I am down on the lower kern, and I'm down there with clients, and I'm walking. I'm down by Democrat, and I'm walking up that trail, and there is graffiti everywhere on those rocks and stuff. And I think that you had just come out with a Kern River Conservancy app with, like, graffiti location, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. And um, I, I told you, I told you, oh, man, you know, with the, that's what one of the cool things about the Kern River Conservancy is I can call Gary up and go, dude, you know, right. I'm on the river all the time. There's fresh graffiti at Thunderbird or wherever it is. And then your guy, you guys go up there and take care of it. But um, how did that app get started? And, and what is that app all about? Like, so people know. So my thing has always been about reaching people. Yeah. Um, and how and what is the best route to get information to people? And in the age of technology and smartphones, I decided that we had to create a mobile app where people can download it and they have it. And it's updated constantly. And it's free. And it's free. And it's on Android and Apple phones. And you get notifications, too, on there. If something happens, we'll send out a notification out. And it was a big water year when I built it. And right. I said, this is the perfect timing because we can put out safety uh, messages out for people. And we did. And so that app kind of got a lot of media attention. Um, it kind of like really propelled us up to the next level and really kind of staked our legitimacy from being just a grassroots organization, but an organization that had the capacity to do just about anything we wanted and doing that river safety PSA with all the agencies 
not only came out amazing, but it took off. And now there's so many other agencies throughout the United States that uses our video for their training purposes. Nice. You know, they use our fire safety video that we have with Smokey Bear for their training purposes. And that's never been done before, you know, and Mm -hmm. even the forest service here will show that video, you know, which is pretty cool because there is no other nonprofit out there that has a Smokey Bear video. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody has that but us, you know, nobody has the resources because the, 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 the benefit of me being who I am is I'm always looking for the next Avenue Mm-hmm. of like where is everything at where's the trend where's the change like what do we like i have to adapt like now sure. i'm trying to figure it out like where's where are people going like what is rei's slogan for the summer what is patagonia's slogan for the summer you know like every year they have these new things that they come out and those things impact us you know people see these slogans and these new ads and they're like oh we have to go mm-hmm. you know so i really like adapting to that and like understanding what they're doing mm-hmm. and that always puts us ahead of the curve we're eight years in. I've got over 600 volunteers, and I know every single volunteer. I never miss a cleanup. I show up to every single one because I want to see who everybody is. Mm-hmm. You know, I know everybody by name. I've shoved everybody's hands, and that's just the kind of person I am. So the diversity and of all the different ethnicities are participating. Is that right? 100%. Yeah. It's a really big deal for us. So yeah. awesome. Yeah. We, so cool. We want everybody. Like This is like an exclu- inclusive organization, so yeah. we want everybody to have a space in it, you know, like everybody right. has a say, like, I'm not your boss. Right. I'm just some guy that's helping organize this. Like you don't come to clean up and take orders, you know, yeah. like I'm just gonna, like, we're all gonna go out there together and do it. And yeah. I've had so many people who volunteer with other organizations outside of the area mm-hmm. who have come and told me like, they, they get starstruck. They're like, Oh my God, you're the, you're the founder. Like they'll shake my hand. <laughs> awesome. No, because you don't ever, you never meet people like that. You yeah, know, yeah. I've, like, That's oh, actually really true. Yeah. I, like, I, I never thought about that. Yeah. And people trip out cause they see me on Instagram doing the stories and giving updates and stuff like that. And people see who I am. It's sure. kind of like guy. What? He, yeah. He's like the guy. The guy? Yeah. But he's always there. <laughs> he's the flyest guy. That. Doesn't take a back seat. You guys are like in the forefront. <laughs> he's the flyest so guy in town. Get it? So, <laughs> so going back to the app. Yeah. Okay. Is that thing still going? Yep. How, um, do pe- how do people find it? So you just go to your app store on your iPhone or your Android. You just download yeah. it for free. Uh-huh. Um, we've had the app for a little over two years now. We've okay. got over 3,000 subscribers on it which is very, very impressive. Dude, yeah. sick. So if somebody finds graffiti on the river, what, yeah. what can they do? So they can just go in the app and the, the keep current clean section. And then mm-hmm. what, there's some uh, boxes you have to check off. Like what kind of trash is it? Is it like picnic trash or illegal dumping graffiti? Mm-hmm. And then you can tag the name of the location you're at and uh-huh. stuff like that. And then we'll, we'll send us an alert and we'll know about it. Awesome. So you guys just recently got a graffiti removal type system. Is that correct? Yeah. And so what is what is that and how do you guys do that? So there's this awesome company down in the lake called World's Best Graffiti Removers. And I actually, awesome. That sounds <laughs> very silly. <laughs> World's Best Cup of Coffee. That's awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I but actually, it actually is. So, um, oh, thank you. Thank you, Jim. Jim's giving us uh, fresh beers here. I'm sorry. He even opened it for me. Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Jim. I was actually just scrolling through Instagram, which I do a lot because that's where I get my intel for Mm -hmm. what's going on in our public lands and 
Um, you know, I use like the hashtags keep current clean or current river or Kernville to see what other people are doing up here. Mm-hmm. Um, I came across an organization called trail mothers down in LA, uh-huh. uh, amazing group. They do a lot of trash pickups and graffiti cleanups and like famous rock climbing areas down in LA. And they had this video where they had like this big roll away Pelican case with a built in pressure washer in it that they can take anywhere they want. And I was like, dude, what is that? Like, you know, <laughs> I was like, sick. I got to get one of those. And they looked it up. It's like $2,000. I'm like, holy shit, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so anyway, um, we had recently just gotten like a couple thousand dollars for a graffiti grant. And um, I was ready to go buy it. And then um, I, I was like, oh, man, like, I don't know if I want to spend all this. Because it was still early. We didn't have any fundraisers yet. And, you know, our finances weren't 100% there. Um, just because it's early in the season and we're coming out of COVID. We don't know what's going to go on this summer. Is there going to be lockdowns or not? Are we going to have fundraisers? And, you know, we had our Earth Day cleanup. And, um, you know, Sergio Martinez, Martinez, from the Southern Sierra Fly Fishers, a.k.a. Sergio. Yeah, Sergio. Man. Shout out to Sergio. Safety man. Search and rescue. Yeah, he can search many times. <laughs> I don't have a cool intro like that. <laughs> it's the pit attack time. Wow. Um, so anyway, um, he was nice enough behind, on behalf of this fly fishing club to present us a check um, to cover the expenses for that. Um, oh yeah, unit. that just happened. Yeah, it was At about the a last... month ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. So so we used all that money. We went and bought um, the pressure washer system, which is in the Pelican case that we can take anywhere. Nice. And we bought all the solvents and the detergents and whatever we needed to use. And so, like, we were set to And go. it's all environmentally friendly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even though it's environmentally friendly, Which we still really don't. Which is really important. Yeah. We still won't use it in the water. Um, you know, we use it for land-based stuff. Right. But, you know, for the rocks that are in the rock water or on the shore, we have to paint it. Unfortunately, that's just the reality of it. We can't pour anything in the you river. You don't want it going in the water no. and killing fish. Right, guy? All you people out there listening, please don't paint our rocks. Yeah. Oh, yes. This is good <laughs> Thank PSA you. moment. Yeah, stop. Don't tag. <laughs> don't paint over. Yeah. Just don't touch them. Yeah. Just don't do it. So, um, the slender men look at you. <laughs> So with that app, people can get that app on the app store and that sort of thing. And they can ping the little locations yeah. and all I've that. I've actually done it yeah, many too. times. It's awesome. And there's, yeah. and there's a lot of information on there. Everything from leave no trace, fire safety. Yeah. You can even get your fire permit when you're coming up here. You can go on the app, get your fire permit. No way. I yeah. didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, there's videos on there for river safety. Uh-huh. Um, there's a whole section on native trout for the Kern River that they can mm. learn about. Um, nice. There's... Um, all the campsites that are dispersed are listed in there, like what's open, what's closed, restrictions, and stuff like that. So it's like mm-hmm. a one-stop shop for everything. And there's no other app in this country that's like, I like really studied, like when I go big, I'm going big. Nice. Like if I'm going to build something and create it, I want to make sure nobody else has it. Nice. I like that. He does a great job. So you guys just got, I just was reading the paper today, you guys got a big old grant. What was that all yeah. about? That front, grant, man. Front cover news. I saw that. I was like, what? Seriously, dude. I told him, he called me one day and he goes, Kristen, I'm going to apply for this grant, but what should I put in it? I said, everything. <laughs> because <laughs> your organization does so much, yeah. you should put everything in there because uh-huh. you need help. Yeah. What was it for? So... We applied for two grants and we got two at the same time. Um, nice. One of them was through the Alfred Harrell um, Foundation down in Bakersfield. Uh, we had applied for um, a study to see what the impact is to native fisheries here in the current after the Sequoia Complex fire. What impact did that fire have to the trout fisheries? Awesome. You know, so that study is going to be starting from 
the Tulare County line all the way up to like the Forks area. You know, oh, you know we'll be hiking in. We have all these sensors that we bought. And, you know, with the sensors, we measure parameters. We'll take samples of the water in the soil, send them out for testing. And we have an intern who just came on, and she's going to compile all this data and put it all together for us at the end of the year. And then that data will be used for future um, management decisions that goes with the Forest Service or the EPA or whatever, whoever it might be. I've been known to, you know, volunteer for people that need to catch fish in certain yeah. areas. So if you guys need any help. Yeah, if any fly fishers out there, you know, hit me up if you want. Because we some of the grant does require I us. I smell a collaboration. <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. Well, that, that let's get to the, uh, the Upper Kern Fisheries Project. You know, uh, I believe that you are doing a documentary. Yeah. So let us know a little bit about that. Yeah. So a couple of years ago, we were funded for a documentary from the Kern Community Foundation. And the documentary was going to tell the story about the return of the almighty Kern River rainbows back here to Hallelujah. the Kern. Yeah. Um, so part of that project was for us to follow Department of Fish and Wildlife into Sequoia Kings National Park, where they had, at the time, they thought was the purest strain of Kern River rainbows, which, which was in Big Arroyo Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, that year, a lot of the people on that trip got altitude sickness, and they canceled the trip, so we all had to come back. The following year was the year of the earthquake, and a part of that trail was washed out in the big rock slide, so it was canceled. Last year, it was canceled because of COVID. And what about this year? Um, it's not going to happen this year or next year. So Is it ever going to happen? It, apparently it is, so we'll see. We just had a meeting with them. Um, so what they've decided to do is they are still in search of the most pure strain that they can find. They thought they had it at Big Arroyo. It turned yeah. out it wasn't. What happened? Do you know what happened with that? I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. it had to do, it came down to like some DNA. Yeah, yeah. And they realized that this wasn't it. This mm-hmm. isn't the fish that we thought it was. So, uh-huh. um, Interesting. I know they've been up to the Nine Lakes Basin area up there, and they found a few fish that they're testing out to see. But, you know, their priority right now is to get this hatchery completely renovated, get those pools put in, find a manager who can actually run the place. Maybe Gary. No. 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 You oh. get, no. You, I'm, I'm sorry. I will no. never work for a government agency. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so um, so that's, that's the thing right now. Is their goal is to get this built ready to go. So when it's ready, the fish can come in. Yeah. But they are out there doing their trips. They're going out there. I know they're doing a trip to Menachee in July. They're going to go hit up the... Uh, I always forget the name of the, the barrier wall up there. The Schaefer barrier? Yeah, there we go. Uh-huh. They're looking at really random spots. They're they're going to start looking at areas where they they probably don't want to look at, but they're just going to give it a shot. Okay. Because you know how it is. Sometimes you just like find like this random fish in Have there. Have they ever you know? consulted you, Guy? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I would think that you would know a lot about this. Yeah, yeah I've done a lot of the fishing and, you know, yeah. gen- genetic studies. Uh, testing for those guys and that sort of yeah. thing. Sometimes that's, that's really cool. Like sometimes yeah. they find like I mean, remember like two years ago they found a coastal rainbow, like a native coastal rainbow in the Elliott River. Right, right. Like, what? Remember that? Yeah, like how yeah. did that fisherman survive in those right. warm waters and all yeah. that? It and, really likes graffiti and music, <laughs> yeah. apparently. And then last year, remember they found a, a native steelhead in the Ventura River. Sure. Like how yeah. did that even yeah. fish even get there? But, yeah. So now they're kind of like opening up the whole like outside the box theory of like sure. maybe we don't have to go up there. Maybe this fish is 
down here. here. Sure. I mean, what if it is here? Yeah. I Dude, you never is. know. It could be the beaver pond right now sitting there just hanging out. You know, you know what's funny, you guys? This year, we've seen more wild fish in the 20-mile section than we've ever seen. Like, crazy, crazy amounts. Yeah. Why uh, we, do you think that is? We have no idea. We're, just, we're finding them, like, this big to, like, you know, this big. Because we have a low water year. I, we had the big fire. Yeah. And there's been a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, so I wonder what those conditions have caused that to happen. I don't know. It's um, it's a phenomenon that's going on that we're all, you know, the guides that work for me, you know, most of the fish that they're catching right now are wild fish, not not hatchery fish. So it's it's pretty cool to see. That's that means really that the cool. river is really healthy. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. I'm actually, I'm actually interested to see that study up at the forks mm-hmm. and beyond how that yeah how oh, that yeah. is. And you know what's going to be really cool. You know, it's kind of a bummer this year, but, you know, people aren't going to be able to, aren't able to go up to the forks this yeah. year because it's closed. Right. Or the whole Golden Trout Wilderness, so it's going to rest oh, yeah. that I whole place. I think that's so important. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, people, please don't go up there. Yeah. If the Forest Service says it's closed, it's closed for a reason. Yeah. yeah. And you know what else is, like, usually when we have these big fires and then the first big storm comes in and yeah. washes everything. We didn't have that this year. I know. Like, I was really legit expecting the Kern River to turn when into when did we have a storm? Sludge. We never did. Exactly. But yeah. I remember what happened after the Cedar Fire? Like, it yeah. looked like it was a river of oil going down. Yeah. Yeah, the McNally Fire, too. Yeah, right? it was yeah. just black sludge. And I remember, like, the river was, like, at 25,000 CFS. Yeah. It was, like, black as black it could be. Yeah. And there wow. were, like, the crazy Kernville Whitewater Rafting Guides <laughs> <laughs> going yeah. down the river. They were, they were hitting their paddles yeah. on the on the Kernville Bridge. Yeah, they were. Yeah. And then I remember seeing John Stallone on his stand-up paddle going down. No, you did yeah. not. That's I was funny. like, dude, these guys are super nar-nar. Who says that anymore? I do. <laughs> so, what what's the future of the Kern River Conservancy? Um, wow, that's a really loaded question, man. Yeah, it is, it is. Uh, well, you know the future. You know, I always have like this like big ambitious like. What do you idea. What do you see, man? Are you gonna go bigger? He needs Are to go gonna... to Gold Ledge and consult the Black <laughs> Panther before he answers this question. <laughs> the Black Panther. You know, sometimes I feel like. Um, I hit like the paramount of success on this river. I feel like we've done everything. There's no way. And like, what else is there to do? Like, There's I so feel much like, more. yeah, but when I feel like I, I have like, I can do more. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I can, there's more for me to do. There is. And there's like all these ideas that have gone through my head about maybe starting like a regional organization and morphing the conservancy into something bigger mm-hmm. where we can, you know, have our hands on. Well, now you're, so you just hired your first staff. Yeah. So the intern that he is talking yeah. about that's doing the water quality testing for certain projects, that's the first staff that you have yeah, that we're paying. So, I mean, that's a big step. Yeah, and then awesome. I jumped on board because I come with a law background yeah. and a science background. And, you know, I believe in everything he does. And so... Gary is so good at connecting people and connecting to the environment. And I want to do everything I can to help him get there. You know, if he doesn't know how to do it, I'm going to find it and I'm going to make it happen for him. Good. So, you know, I just, I just feel like sky's the limit and it's going to be interesting to see how the pandemic post pandemic. I know we're still in a pandemic, but I mean, now that things are reopening, it's going to be interesting to see how the conservancy tackles things. I mean, we're already on out. We're already off to an amazing start between That's the grants. We had a huge give big current fundraiser this year, which was our biggest one ever. Um, and you know, we're not even halfway through the year and there's still more money to, 
you know, be made. We yeah. have more fundraisers coming up. We're launching our very own film festival this year. The, oh, yeah, what, that's a what's big that deal. It's called the Southern Serial Film Festival. Sweet. So, like, so this is how you, like, you can see my brain working. Is like I'm always looking for ways to expand the conservancy. So should we should we um, tell everybody about the rager we're going to throw here? Or? Dude, totally. Had to bring it back. So we currently are working on a fly fishing documentary for the Kern River. Yeah. Guy Jeans is in it. Um. <laughs> And some other people as well. So we've been working on it for almost three years, and we've had setbacks because of the you know the trails being closed, and we haven't been able to get stuff done. And Martin, who's kind of the lead on that project, has done an amazing job. And so what we're doing is we're kind of changing some of the things in this movie because we're unable to go on this these backcountry expeditions with fishing game to get the fish. So we're kind of shifting our focus on different storylines now. And we I think shift, that's great. Yeah. So we want to finish this movie sometime by the end of the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, our film festival is going to be in August in Bakersfield at the Kern County Museum. But then we're going to have a second one here in Kernville, probably in October. And we're going to do it right here in the Kern River Fly Shop parking lot. You know, we're going to... I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> going to have some bands. Awesome. Yeah. We're going to have yeah. some music. Are and we going to have your band? I think so. Please. I think I think I already told the Stoneflies yeah. that we're Come playing. on. Come on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have Absolutely. food and, you know, I'm going to... Um, you Br- know, Brownie's t- gonna hook twist it up. Chris Brown's arm to come up here with a yeah. Santa Maria grill and you know yeah. tear <gasps> yes. up the tri tip. Yeah. I might be handing out food to people. I still have to talk to Jill about it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Jill will be hey, Jill. fine. <laughs> hey Jill, yeah, we're, we're throwing a rager in your parking me. lot. Can we take your parking <laughs> lot? She loves me. She's actually been listening to this. Oh, uh, she has? Yeah, Jill, if you're it. listening, yeah. like <laughs> we love you, Jill. Thank you for helping me with my house projects last weekend. Yes, she's awesome. Actually, she's so great. Yeah. If, if you don't approve, bad things can happen. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I know. Anyway, so yeah, we're doing that. We're launching the Southern Sierra Film Festival. And the whole purpose of that is to encourage young upcoming artists, whether they're photographers, filmmakers. I think that's amazing. painters or anybody, you know, the San Joaquin Valley, like Bakersfield, Tehachapi, to Fresno, Three Rivers, Visela, Porterville. It's like untapped resources. I totally agree. For like... Like the arts, like people that are very like in the arts. Yes. And also in the environment. Like, you know, we have all these gateway communities, whether it's the Sequoia National Forest, uh, the Thule River, the Kern River, the Kauia River, the Kings. Totally. You know, these kids, it's their gateway community. So Gary, can, can people submit to the film festival right now? And, and, and what can they submit and how do they do that? So what you have to do is go to the Southern Sierra film festival.org website. Southern Sierra Film Fly, Fest. Film Fest. Dot org. Dot org, okay. Um, and then you can go submit, and it's totally free. Uh-huh. Um, this is where it separates ourselves from everybody else. Most film festivals charge an arm and leg for submissions. Like, literally? Literally. Oh. Like, and, you know, they charge tons of money for, you know, like, um, artists to submit their stuff. They t- charge money to come to their events, and it's, it's stupid. And I've always felt like it kind of discriminates you know, like underserved communities like the San Joaquin right. Valley. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what, screw it. We're going to go ahead and do it, and we're going to mm-hmm. do it free. It's free for artists to submit. It's free for people to come and experience as so well. So do you, like, are you going to display, like, if people submit photos and art that's not movies, is that going to be displayed yeah. on site, yep. or how is that going to happen? So if you're an artist or a photographer and you want to put your work on display, um, you can come out have, like, a booth set up, you know, which is free for you. 
and you put, put all your stuff up there. If you want to sell really it, cool. you can sell your stuff. If you want to just have a display, it's totally up to you. And if you're a filmmaker, you can submit it on our website. You know, you can send us the link to the video. How long or does the, the file. film have to be? Is there a limit? Um, the limits are about 15 to 18 minutes for films because we want to maximize how many films we can show. I don't want like hour long movies and then we're going to have like this film festival that's like 12 hours long and just Are you to watch. sure you don't want that? No, I'm laughing about films. it because it's so, so funny. Three hours long. If we keep it short, then, you know, like I can show, <laughs> I'd like to show four to five movies an hour. Yeah. You know, and maybe a feature film as well. So yeah. I want the films to be short so people can have, we have more time to show everybody's movie. Do you have anything ready? Uh, we do actually have three films submitted so far. Oh, yeah, that's great. So Gary and I have had this discussion before, and I, I think I want to talk to you guys about it as well. But Gary, why do you think that the Kern River is overlooked amongst all the rivers that, in California? You know, what, what is it? What's going on? Why are we always last on the list when it comes to native trout uh, conservation? You know, what is it about that? Are, is, it, is it because... You're finally bringing attention to this area, and maybe we're starting to get a little bit of look, or is it just people just kind of overlook us because we're so far south? Um, man, you know, I, I have the same feelings because I always feel and I always tell people, I have this discussion, I'm like, I feel like the Kern River is like the bastard child of the Wyland Scenic <laughs> Rivers. It's true. Yeah, but it's true. it's true. Yeah, I'm like, laughing. Yeah. Just like, we're like the way you described yeah. it, but yeah. it's very true. We're like the adopted redheaded child in the Partridge family. You know, yeah. nobody likes us. Nobody I cares. I think it's just like it's it's in Kern County. Yeah. Yeah. We're so, not like well known. Yeah. So I think it is a combination of there's never been a movement down here to like, you know, like kind of push politicians' mm -hmm. buttons about stuff like that. Mm -hmm. We don't have a mayor. We're not an incorporated city here. I'm, I'm so the, that is difficult. I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm the mayor. Oh, I'm sorry. That's you right. are I, the unofficial mayor. <laughs> hear he, hear he. <laughs> um, so I know you and I have had many discussions over beers and talking about this, and I've talked yeah. this with other people as well, mm -hmm. that you know, no matter what, the Kern River is either the last on the list or never on the list. And Kern River Conservancy is part of this huge Wild and Scenic Rivers Coalition, which is a national organization. And when I sit in these meetings and I hear about all these resources and all this money going to these rivers, and I'm over here like, hey, what about us, you know? And it's just like, oh, sorry, you guys. See you guys later, you know? And it's... That's really frustrating. It is. And I think it is it's a combination of, like, you know, there's never been representation down here before. Right. I, I, I also... I'm sorry, I'm going to butt in. Um, so I also think that there aren't, it's not just resources, it's people, people that know how to connect A to Z. And again, I know how to do that. That's something that I know how to do. And that's why I joined. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think it's really important for people to get involved, you know, because organizations like this that are nonprofits, they need people with skills like this. You know, it's not mm -hmm. like they just grow out of nowhere and they have all these skills, you mm -hmm. know, this is how growth happens. Yeah. And I think that, you know, not only is it like Kern County and it's underfunded area, we don't have a mayor. We don't have a lot of voice here. You know what I mean? And it's so popular oh. and no one's paying attention. I mean, we are because we yeah. live here, mm -hmm. but I think if you find people that know how to connect, like I'm going to say like the political stuff, you know, because that's where the funding comes from. 
you know, I, I think that that bridge, the more people that move up here that have those type of skills can really help with yeah. that. And I think we're at that point now. You totally are. Because I have a very, very good relationship with our representatives. Mm -hmm. like, That's you know, true. I have, a really, I have a really good relationship with, you know, our Senator Shannon Grove, with Devin Mathis. Yep. Even with Kevin McCarthy's office, I have really good relationships I've built over the years that I've kept. And I've never really crossed lines when it comes to like big political issues, you know, like it could be whether if it's related to fracking or something like that. I've always made the conservancy stay neutral on subjects like that because it's not our role. Our role is all about recreation and protecting the river and, you know, like just enhancing the experience of the user up here is what we want to do. And I think you've talked about how you've invited those people down here. And didn't you say that like people have come down on like rafting trips and you've taken them to do things yeah. and you yeah. know I think that's really important is to bring people here that make big decisions and help those people connect with Gary with the river and help them see like these are the issues that we have here and how to get from A to Z and how do we do that and I yeah. think that's that's kind of where we are now is yeah. we're able to build that. And we have the we have the connections made now, but now what we have to do is build a coalition. Exactly. Um, and it's really hard in this area because it's we're kind of like just on our own. Um, but you know, you remember a couple of years ago when Trump came into office and he was like hell bent on like eliminating all the national monuments, right? And the giant Sequoia monument was one of them. And like out of the blue, all these organizations came out of nowhere mm -hmm. to came here to Kernville. They're like, we need to put a stop to this, blah blah blah. And, you know, I jumped on the wagon. I was like, yeah, for sure. Like, we're going to save the Trail of 100 Giants. We're going to save this. We're going to save that. But being around some of these regional and national groups, I just kind of saw the facade mm -hmm. of who they are. Really? You know, like, a perfect example is, like, like the organization, I'm not going to name them, but they yeah. were really, they had their hands in back in the 80s to get the Kern River designated Wild and Scenic. Mm -hmm. They did everything in their power to get it Wild and Scenic. And then what happened the day it became Wild and Sink? They disappeared. That organization has never stepped foot back in the current since then. Interesting. You know? And then with the same thing with the Giant Sequoia Monument, where all these regional groups came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And the day Kevin McCarthy and, you know, they decided we're not going to touch the Sequoia Monument, they disappeared. They never came back. They never stepped foot here. No matter how many times I reached out to them for help, hey, we need help here, we need funding, what can we do? It's just like crickets, like nobody gives a shit, you know? Like, and then so weird. The second another political thing pops up, they're all going to come running again. Like, it's called a window of opportunity. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. And it's just for them. Yeah, totally. It right. 100% is. And hmm. those organizations, like, it just really pisses me off because they just come when they want, mm -hmm. you know? And they come and they prey on all these retirees with money in their town. They want to take their money. They want to promise them this. They want to promise them that. And then they disappear. Right. You know, mm -hmm. and then we kind of get left with the uh, the bill. Oh, we just made this wild and scenic. Now you deal with it. You know, we're, we just turned this into a wilderness. Now you deal with it. You know, it's like, no, like we need your guy. This was your idea, not mine. Mm -hmm. You know, so they kind of like stir up the pot, create a mess, and then they, they take off. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's a trip, man. Yeah. That's a trip. Yeah. yeah. I think the best example was a couple years ago. I remember how pissed off I was when. Yeah. The San Gabriel River in L.A., which is not a wild and scenic river, got $15 million to manage the river's recreational opportunities and all that kind of stuff. And mm. I'm over here like, wait, we're wild and scenic. Why are we not getting that money? Exactly. Yeah, why is that? We got zero. 
It's weird. It just it just blows my mind just, that we're just kind of. I don't know. I don't over. know if it's a Forest Service issue or I don't know if it's a political thing. Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of those things for sure. I'm going to change that. Yeah, you yeah. Know, obviously oh. the politics in LA are way different. They're more pro environment and getting That's stuff why I'm done. I'm here. <laughs> but you know, over here it's not the same thing. You know, mm. over here. But we're going to make that change. Oh, obviously. And yeah. I think the more people that get involved, the better. Yeah. And if people really care about coming to the Kern, they care about coming to the fly shop, they care about what it looks like, I feel like the more people we can get involved, just come out for a day, you know? Even if you come to the fly shop and you're yeah. doing a guided thing, like, you know, find out what the conservancy's doing. <laughs> yeah. Find out, you know, what we're doing. And, you know, you can reach out to Gary. You can reach out to me. And I'm happy to come out and show you, like, these are the, these are the problems that we have out here. You know, we can do a cleanup for your business. Yeah, we need support from other groups. If we want to build a coalition to achieve our goals uh -huh. of getting maximum funding to the Forest Service for them to properly manage this river, mm -hmm. it, it's it literally has to take a village. You know, it, it, yeah. it truly does. And right now we're kind of like. You know, between us and the keepers of the current, you know, we do all we can, but we just, it, needs, it needs to be broader. Because when you look at other watersheds, they have 10, 15 organizations behind them, mm -hmm. some regional, some national. And they're not as busy. Yeah. I have to throw that out there because they're not as busy as us. Yeah. But, you know, like it, it has to come from everybody. It has to come from the fly True. fishing clubs as well. Like sure. they, you know, like the fly fishing clubs have been amazing to us. You know, they donate money, they come and clean up, they do stuff when we need help. They see that we're struggling through social media mm -hmm. and they'll come up and say, what can we do to help you guys? But what we really need is like, actually we need, you know, these clubs to like start appointing people within their club to take on policy and politics, to be like an advocate. Nice. So that's what you suggest for the fly fishing clubs? Uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> awesome, man. I think the fly fishing clubs it. need to step up as well. I think if you have the skills and you have love the background, it. step up. Yeah, help yeah, us people out. Should, Let's like, do you know, it. Like, yeah. so, say, hey, like we're going to work with you guys. We're gonna, we'll get this thing figured out. We'll see what we can do. And, it, and I, you know, even people that aren't associated with the, the fly fishing yeah. clubs, anybody that oh, has sure. the skills yeah, like Kristen. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, I was yeah. just using the fly fishing club sure. as an example. Right. But sure. It can be anybody. It's case yeah. in point with me because yeah. I just moved here and I have all those skills. Yeah. I have a background in environmental law. And yeah. I was like, you know what? This organization is doing great. My skills, I think I can help them. Mm -hmm. And we need more people like that for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, definitely. I, I, my, one of my clients, his name is Eric DeVoe. He's a environmental consultant. He actually is going to meet you guys afterwards, um, after the podcast out here, but, um, he, he is, he is, he's probably waiting out there, but he is, Garson, can you go check the door? Please? <laughs> yeah. He's probably, he's probably out there, but check this out. So I was like, Hey man, you know, that the hatcheries, you know, closed down this and that. And I go, you know, and we need to contact this person. He's oh, dude, I know that guy at, uh, at the uh, Fish and Wildlife. I know her. I know this. And, and so he scheduled a meeting with me and a couple other people mm -hmm. and an uh, environmental lawyer and another guy. And we, we actually talked to these people in the That's Department great. of Fish and Wildlife. Yeah. And, and this just, is what we're talking about, yeah. is having these collaborative discussions. Yeah. I feel like those are the things that need to happen. Yeah. And that's yeah. what the Conservancy is all about. I think one of my biggest attributes to what we do is like if you know me i'm like very social i like hanging out at the bar or the brewery or <laughs> Gary's whatever the best. but at the same time that's where i like thrive when it yeah. comes to engaging conversations sure. on stuff you know like 
where I'm in my habitat. I'm just yeah. like, this is it. Like, I'm going to That's boom. how he gets yeah, stuff you, done. You talk to Jim, I think. Yeah, at, the, at, the, 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 the saloon. At the saloon, yeah. yeah. And, you That's know, I mean, how he gets things done. But, I mean, you and I, when we were at the brewery a couple of months ago, and uh, I'm not going to name her name, but she's our senator. She happened to come in. Yes, 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 she know, did. And, you know, like, she, you know, she came right up to me, gave me a hug, and we, we chit-chatted for a couple of minutes cool. while we're having some beers. It was great. But I got more done in that five minutes of talking to her with a beard than I would have yeah. through her assistants and her handlers trying to figure meetings out and this and that. So if somebody wants to uh, donate to the Kern River Conservancy, um, how do they do that, Gary? Um, so they can go to the Mercedes dealership and <laughs> pay for my car payment. No, <laughs> um, it's pretty simple. You can, there's, you know, two, three ways you can do go th- directly to our website and donate on our website. Kern What's River, the website? KernRiverConservancy.org. Nice. Okay. And, uh, or you can mail us a check. Our address is on the check on the website. Okay. Um, you know, we're on Amazon smile. You can click us as a, um, your charity of choice, so oh, really? Amazon will donate to us. So every time you buy something, Amazon will donate like a percentage to us. Uh-huh. It's a great, there's there's great so many uh, ways of donating. You know, you can sponsor us. Like you want to sponsor the film festival, like your business or whatever. There's this endless opportunities of how and you, you can, can do that. And you can always volunteer. Yeah, and you yeah. can always For volunteer. Cleanups. And you can do private cleanup events, yeah. which I didn't know yeah. until I came in. And you do a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, so because of COVID, um, we get a lot of companies that want to do a private cleanup just for themselves and their company. And so we've oh. done a ton of those starting last year and into this year. We've already done like two or three so far. And, you know, these companies will call us and say, hey, we want to bring our employees out. It's almost like a team building exercise. But we integrate like the river cleanup into the whole thing. And then like we talk about leave no trace and we talk about the challenges that we face here and what we need and like, you know, yeah. and it works so out really well. Do, so it's not just donations. Yeah. You yeah. can do the volunteering too. For sure. That's great. So there you guys have it, uh, the Kern River Conservancy.org. And I want to thank Gary and Kristen for coming. I'm so happy that you guys are here. You guys are a blessing to this community. And um, I want to thank you for being on the podcast, you guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you guys, this is the Kern River Fly Shop Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Cooper, host of Hunt Stand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from Hunt Stand Presents. Anywhere, anytime, and on any device. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.